Constable. Good. Say something. Say ABCs. All right. All right. It's the Untitled Podcast. Ooh. Give me some more flavor. This is so exciting, isn't it?
Alright, and we back Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Untitled Podcast um, Episode 62 Something like that You know, you don't even know Alright, <laughs> episode 62, man um, Your favorite podcast, favorite podcast A.K.A. AKA uh, the Greatest Show on Earth um, I am your host, Booby, as you know um, I'm here with probably the most specialist I don't know if that's a word <laughs> the most special guest I've had on the podcast um, uh, Ever um, Very near, dear to my heart um, My mother My mother <laughs> I'll give yourself some applause We got clap for you <laughs> There we go There we go Yeah man So um, obviously it's Mother's Day um, I thought that it'd be really, really dope To, uh, to get my mom on um, walk through a few things uh, One to give y'all some insight about why I am the way I am um, A lot of uh, my good traits um, <laughs> I pick up from my mom um, So uh, I just kind of wanted to highlight that um, And also uh, the whole birth of the podcast itself was that You know I had a lot of people in my life Friends, family Who were doing a lot of dope things Had done a lot of dope things They had a lot of real cool experiences um, and I wanted an opportunity to kind of tell that story um, for those who could relate and also those who, you know, could be enlightened and kind of educated by it. Um, one of the things that I highlight a lot, you know, in my life when I talk to people and that kind of thing is just, um, you know, my family, uh, my mom's side of the family uh, that grew up in Liberty County. Um, saw a lot of things, went through a lot of the stuff that we read about in books, um, whether it be integration, um, you know, that kind of thing. So it's different reading about it in the book and actually hearing it firsthand, you know what I mean, what it was like. Um, you know, so those stories go from, you know, what my mom and, and her sisters and brothers went through and also um, my grandparents and decisions that they made, um, you know, that honestly, you know, changed a lot of the course of history in their area. So. Oh, that being said, Ma, Yo. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, good to have you on. Um, so, as I said before, we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Um, you're from Liberty County, correct? I am. Jessup, to be exact? No, not Jessup. Oh. That was my birthplace. Oh, okay. I was raised in Hinesville, just outside of... Fort Stewart. <clears throat> we were a mile from the main gate. Uh -huh. um, so I was raised with uh, quite a melting pot of different people from different countries, uh, different parts of the United States. So had a lot of friends from a lot of different places. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so um, a lady never reveals her age. Um, so, <laughs> so we're not going to, we're not going to do that, but, um, we'll say that you grew up, um, you know, in 80, 1980s Liberty County. Um, how was that for you? Well, actually <clears throat> by the 1980s, I was quite older. So my growing up time, and this will probably, um, shed some light on my age, which is really not a big deal. I'm mm -hmm. proud to be the age I am. A lot of people don't make it this far. Yep. Um, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, um, you know, in that disco fever <laughs> where all the songs were about love and unity and togetherness. Mm -hmm. But before we got to that point, I grew up in a time when 
Uh, we were fighting for integration. We were fighting for our rights as a black community. Okay, absolutely. So what that, what was that like for you? I know, um, you know I've heard stories about how um, you know, our family integrated Bradwell. Um, so I'm assuming Bradwell Town was a mainly white school, correct? Correct. And uh, so most of the blacks went to Liberty County. So how far from where um, you grew up was Liberty County High School? Liberty County High School was probably a good 10 miles from mm -hmm. uh, where I grew up. It was actually in Midway, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Hinesville. So it was um, a little distance from where I actually lived. And Bradwell, just for reference sake, was how far from where you guys grew up? Bradwell was um, not certainly not that far. It was maybe a ten minute drive. Okay, okay. So was it was it in the same spot as where it was? No. Okay, okay. No, uh, Bradwell, the where it, the, the location where it is now is a new location. Um, when I was growing up, it was uh, right off of Highway eighty four near where Zaxby's is now. It okay. was diagonally across the street. Um, there's a school over there now. Um, there's a, I think, a VA clinic um, that's on that corner. But Bradwell at that time was behind that VA clinic. Okay, cool, cool. So um, what do you remember about that decision that was made? So grandma, granddad, you know, a lot of people were involved. Um, so the decision to send, uh, your older brother, older sisters, um, to Bradwell, um, and be the first blacks to go there. Do what do you remember by that decision that time? Um, at that time I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So I recall I was in fifth grade. So I was probably about 10 and, um, we were again in an area where everything was segregated um, even the elementary schools were segregated at that time. Um, my father was approached and asked if he would um, be willing to let his children integrate Bradwell because this was a time when we were beginning to integrate um, predominantly white schools. All of the other parents that were asked at that time refused to do so. They didn't want their kids going to being exposed and mm -hmm. possibly, um, you know, even worse mm -hmm. things happening to them because, you know, we know about kids who were um, yelled at, hit with bottles, hit with whatever, getting off of a bus to go into school, having to be escorted in by police. And my father... Um, after talking with my mom, agreed that uh, he would let my older siblings, I had three older siblings uh, that, who were high school age at that time, mm -hmm. attend Bradwell. He had specific conditions, which he always did when it came to um, us kids. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, he did allow them to go. They went. Um, Proudly, they went with their heads hung, you know, really high, and um, 
They were among the first blacks to integrate Bradwell Institute in Hinesville, Georgia. Okay. Um, so you brought, you mentioned, um, <clears throat> you know, the fears that those other parents had. Um, you know, being hit with bottles, being attacked, being harassed. Um, was that something that happened? No, that did not happen. Okay. Um, you know, the name calling did go on, um, if I remember correctly. Um, there was name calling. Um, I believe there were eggs thrown at the bus, maybe something like that with some of the kids. But uh, they were not physically attacked. Okay. Okay, so... Well, I'm sure they still went through things. It wasn't as bad as, you know, previously feared by other right. other parents. It wasn't as bad as some of the things that you heard happening in Alabama and, you know, some of the other um, places that were integrating. Okay. Um, another thing that you also um, went through, um, kind of just, you know, highlighting this portion, this portion of your life was um, you attended Georgia Southern. Um, and this was directly after high school. Yes. Um, how was that? Because I know the Georgia Southern you went to and the Georgia Southern I went to. Were totally different. We're two. totally different. The campus has, of course, flourished now. It's much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, campuses in different areas um, and different locations, I guess I should say. There's a campus on Liberty County um, where there there, there is a campus in Hinesville, um, as well as now, of course, they have taken over Armstrong, so it's Georgia Southern on the Armstrong campus. Um, the other part to that is the campus was, I guess, kind of small and quaint, still had Sweetheart Circle. I think Sweetheart Circle still exists. Um, we had um, a little... What do you call it? Um, student center mm-hmm. uh, that was called Sarah's. Okay. Um, the student center now is really huge. It houses several different uh, fast food restaurants, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um, some things still exist there. There was a restaurant, Dingus McGee's. <laughs> still there and I was Dingus there. McGee's is still there. That was the <laughs> highlight. If you could afford to go to Dingus McGee's, you were in there. <laughs> uh, and we didn't go to Dingus when I got there. Dingus was not a thing for us. I think I walked to Dingus once, took a look around. It was a little... It's a little bright in there, so I decided to <laughs> decided to go somewhere where it was a little more of us. Well, when we went, I went with um, several other classmates, and honestly, at that time, I didn't know how I got to college. I didn't know <laughs> why I was going to college. Didn't know what I wanted to do in college, mm-hmm. but I was there. I was there with um, four other. Um, high school friends. We were all very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pretty much, uh, most of us lived in the same dorm. We, when we were not in class, we were all together. We mm-hmm. all were in one dorm room, and that was pretty much my dorm room with my roommates. Um, and we stuck together. Mm-hmm. We hung together. We um, our theme song was um, We Are Family. <laughs> so we would walk around the campus singing We Are Family. We would do all the things that college students do, stay out late. Um, we would walk to uh, 
restaurant now that is no longer there, Snookies. I mm -hmm. think it just recently um, was either torn down or it's repurposed into mm -hmm. something else at this yeah. point. Um, Snookies was the place to go late at night and get that good old fried chicken. <laughs> Walk back to the dorm. So mm -hmm. we had fun. Um, that was the time at Sarah's when we would go down and play Pac-Man. <laughs> So that was some of the things that we did. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of discussion like amongst my generation, it's arguments, and it's honestly for me it's pointless, but you know it comes up. And the discussion is um, when they talk about PWIs, which are predominantly white institutions and HBCUs. Um, when you were growing up, when you were making decisions about school, were HBCUs a prominent thing at the time? Was that something that we did or? Or was that kind of how it is now? You kind of just kind of did what was best for you? Well, I kind of just did what was best for me. We did mm -hmm. not, um, at least in my circle, uh, we didn't talk about HBCUs. Uh, the, for us, it was um, just getting to college and getting mm -hmm. that education. Um, I'm the first in my family to go and get a college degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was just the encouragement to go to college. Now, certainly there were other um, friends that I had whose parents um, went to HBCUs, um, mostly Savannah State, mm -hmm. um, here in Savannah. If their parents went there, then of course their parents were encouraging them to go to Savannah State. And um, that's, where they, that's where they went. But we were not in discussion about HBCUs at that time. Um, we just wanted to get that education, just wanted to go to college and just get out there and, you know, do the best that we could for our community. Gotcha, you, gotcha. Um, and that was kind of the same, um, same concept. It's funny, a lot of things that I've realized growing up, a lot of, you know, things that I saw or heard from you kind of mirrored a little bit um you know being you know, i know you weren't the youngest but being the second youngest and you know me being the youngest um and also this isn't to go to georgia southern um which mine was a little bit different um i don't ever told you this but uh when i turned 18 <clears throat> uh quentin took me out for my birthday uh, and i turned 18 and we went out i won't say where we went because i don't because mm. i don't want i don't want to shame my mom alive on air um <laughs> but mm -hmm. we were riding back and um, um, so we were riding back, and uh, he, he kind of asked me, he said, so what you going to do about school? And I was like, man, I don't know. I'm, you know, got a few schools that, you know, I've been separate into, um, but I don't know. And at the time, I think I was kind of on the fence with, like, Valdosta and Fort Valley. And um, brother looked at me and said, well, he said, I'll tell you this. He said, the worst thing you can be is in college, four and a half miles, four and a half hours away from home, and broke. He said, so you do what you want to with that. So that night was that outside of here. Let me go to Georgia Southern. Let me just go about 45 minutes up the street. Um, you know, that way, any, any issues I may have, you know, I can't. I'm a hop and skip away from home. Not even a hop and skip, it's a hop. Um, but, you know, I was the same way. I didn't know a whole lot about HBCUs growing up. I knew about Savannah State. 
um, just locally with it being here, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, you know, I didn't know a lot about frats and sororities and all that um, on either side, black or white. <clears throat> you know, it's not something that, you know, we grew up, you know, is part of the culture we grew up in. You know, I mean, the main thing for us and that y'all kind of preach to us was just get to school, you know, or, or basically more so do what makes, you know, makes us happy. Um, you know, so, you know, shifting gears um, a little bit. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a Mother's Day episode. Um, so for you, what is um, your definition of a mother? Mothers are mothers are super women. Mm-hmm. Um, mothers wear a ton of hats. Um, mothers always, always uh, take the side of their child. Mm-hmm. Um, if their child is wrong, they may not take that side. They may not um, actually show that, um, how do I want to say it? They may acknowledge to a certain point that their child is wrong in front of others. Mm-hmm. But when they get them home, yeah, it's a whole different story. <laughs> I did not teach you to do whatever, whatever. So the lesson really gets learned by that child at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sorry, you have more to that? Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. Okay. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely, definitely, definitely um apparent. Um and it's funny you say that because now you get a lot of times people, um, you know, they talk about raising children and, and they talk about things that should be offered in the schools and the school should be doing this and doing that and and if you listen closely enough it really sounds like they want teachers to raise the kids for them. Um, so something that you said that to me was important was that um, that lesson was learned at home. You didn't depend on a teacher, you know, to teach me right from wrong. You know, you y'all basically, you know, move as if we should know this when we get we walk out the door, get on a bus, Absolutely. and and, and started on that bus. They get on that bus, you know how to act on that bus. I know you know how to act because I taught you how to act. You know, when you get into the school, you know, be respectful. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, even I know growing up, um, and I don't know you remember this, but people used to always stop us. We'd be at, uh, I don't know, grocery stores or a or a department store or something. They'd always say, "Your boys are so well mannered." You know they, <laughs> you know they say, "Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am," and, and me and Quentin always look at each other like that's people don't do that. Like we missing out. <laughs> we missing out. We could be doing <laughs> we could be doing something different. But no, like it was definitely um, that was definitely something I saw. Uh, growing up um so what was that like for you raising you know two black boys i know in the 90s into 2000s um and beyond you know what was that like for you it got to a point where it was quite honestly um the older you got it was scary for me mm-hmm. um you two were always very close we always would be out together your father traveled for work and so, um, you know, he did what he had to do as a father and a husband. And so that let us um, spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there was a point when I could, when I was always there, of course, and you were with, you guys were with me, so I could protect you. Um, that was part of my role, I felt, as a parent, to protect you, um, to teach you, and um, to be there for you. Uh, I was also um, the person who held your social calendar. Um, I was your Uber driver. I was your Lyft driver. Um, I was your cheerleader at football, basketball, baseball games, uh, whatever it was. Um, you know, I was the one who made sure that um, you got your proper nutrition. Mm -hmm. I was the one who made sure that your homework was done, even if I had no idea what you were doing. <laughs> um, new math is always new math. Oh, yeah. Um, I was the one who uh, stood up for you, um, went to the school to see what perhaps um, a teacher was um, saying that I knew was not so with mm -hmm. my child. Mm -hmm. So, a mother wears lots of hats. Um, a mother takes on a huge responsibility, um, not taking anything from fathers because fathers are there, they show up, they have responsibilities that are different um, in a way than mothers. But mothers feel like, I've carried this child for nine months, this is my responsibility, this is what I'm going to do. And you just, the attachment is there and you move forward with that attachment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so socially, I know, obviously, you know, it's been a big part of um, more recent times, but, you know, growing up in, growing up in the South, um, you know, it's always been a part of our lives here. Um, so when we hear stories, um, you know, the Trayvon Martins, the Ahmaud Aubrey's, um, you know, when you when you hear those stories, um, for you, how was that knowing that, you know, you're raising, you know, two black boys? Um, and I know I remember a story uh, that uh, Quentin came and got me one day from practice. I don't know if you remember this. Um, came pick me up from football practice. Um, we're riding home. We're going through Garden City. And those who are listening who know Garden City, it's Garden City. Um, and uh, we're riding through, and uh, we get pulled over. And, um, you know, the officer comes up, and I still remember it's, you know, clear as day. I was sitting in the front seat, and I remember Quentin hit me and said, put your seatbelt on. And I put my seatbelt on, and, you know, you know, but he said, you know, put your hands on your lap. So I had my hands on my lap, and, you know, I'm just looking. And I don't really know what's, I mean, I know what's going on, but I don't. I think I was probably like 14 at the time. And um, so the officer comes up, and, you know, he, uh, First thing he does is he kind of leans into the window a little bit. And I didn't know the nuances of what police do at the time. So I didn't realize this guy's probably trying to sniff and see if he could smell anything himself. Um, you know, Quentin had a fairly nice car for his age. Um, you know, I think he went and put the 20-inch the, the rims on it and all that. So I'm sure that drew a little bit of attention. Um, but anyway, so the officer went, you know, I don't know what he pulled us over for or what he said he pulled us over for. Uh, he went and got his drug dog and walked it around the car and, and all. He had no reason to really do it. Um, and then, uh, you know, he held us there for a little bit longer. Um, I think he had another officer actually pulled up as well. Um, they talked and did whatever. And 
Eventually let us go. Um, and then we came home. Did Quentin tell you about the story? Yes. Okay, so you remember. So I was at home immediately when he got home. I he told me about the story, and for me that was one of those moments when when your child is now obviously old enough to drive and be out on their own, and you are not there to say, "Get behind me, let me handle this." Mm-hmm. Um, that story hurt me deeply. It mm-hmm. really hurt me deeply because I know what kind of kids I raised. I know what kind of children we had. Mm-hmm. And that was um, very touching, very heartbreaking for me. And even now as I look back and think about it, I just, if I could take the pain from him at that I would, but I couldn't. Um, and his words to me, this was, Quentin had just graduated, um, I believe it was maybe sometime during the summer, you might have been going to football practice, mm-hmm. pre-school yep. or whatever. And um, Quentin was still just enjoying being graduated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was a time when, after Quentin graduated, I think for 30 days straight, every single day, including Sunday nights, Quentin went out <laughs> and celebrated his graduation for 30 days straight, every single day, every single night. That little guy went out Party and animal. enjoyed himself. Mm-hmm. And when he came back that particular day, he was going to go out with his friends. They were going to go bowling. He came home and he told me what happened. And it just just cut me to the core uh-huh. and all I could do was you know son I am so so sorry that happened to you you know the thing that really got him was he said mom he said not only did he pull me over but he went and got the dogs uh-huh. to sniff my car and you know a lot of times as parents well most of the time as parents we said my kids aren't drinking my kids aren't smoking We don't know what our kids are doing when they're not around us. Uh Um, But I think I could say with great assurity that my kids were not doing drugs. Uh They might have been drinking, Uh you know. Um, But at that point, I I could say with some certainty that they were not doing drugs. And Uh for that to happen, and it just, he was so deflated, he he didn't even go out that Uh night with his friends to go bowling. He was just, you know, and at that moment it was like, okay, you really gotta have a conversation and let him know. Um, But even before that, or maybe even it started at that time, when you and Quentin would go out, I'd always tell you when you were driving, make sure you have your seatbelts on, Mm -hmm. make sure every light is functioning on your car, Mm -hmm. make sure you use your signals, make sure that you don't Speed, you don't give an officer any reason to pull you over. Absolutely none. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the spiel for a while when yeah. you guys went out. Um, and as a parent of two black boys with everything that was going on, you know, I can remember you coming to tell me that, you know, some of your friends were um, caught with drugs, they're in mm-hmm. jail, they've gotten 
killed for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, you would come and tell me about this, and I was like, "Oh my God!" Mm-hmm. Um, some of these people you were still in contact with, you still had conversations with, you were still hung around somewhat, but it was like you were never in those specific places when those things happened. Mm -hmm. And I was very grateful and very hurt for that child's parents because Mm -hmm. they were in those situations. Um, So it was at that time that things really, for me, um, got even more scary. Uh, And every time you went out, I slept very lightly. I don't think either of you knew this. I never said anything, but I slept very lightly until I heard you come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew. We knew. There are there times where um, actually um, coming down um, coming down the street, you can kind of see y'all's bedroom, and we would see kind of a light on. And then when we, by the time we got into the house and got upstairs, the light would be off. So we always picked, so we definitely picked up on that. We definitely picked up on it. That was um, that was a very scary time for me, and um, you know now yeah there was a concern there but you're older you're a little wiser, um, and you know there was at one point you were going somewhere or something was happening in your life, and I was very very concerned because you were going to be away from me I think at some I can't even remember what the circumstances were. Mm-hmm. But I remember your comment to me was, Mom, you got to trust what you taught us mm-hmm. when we were younger. You got to trust that we're going to do what you taught us. And that kind of lifted me a little bit um, because it made me think and really realize, okay, so they really were listening. Mm-hmm. They really took it all in. So, okay, all right. But there's still always some concern about kids, regardless to how old they are, uh, regardless to whether they have kids or not, mm-hmm. they have their own little families, you still have that concern um, when you hear something that's going on wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, <clears throat> for me and for Quinn, you know, a lot of things that we learned from y'all weren't even things that uh, y'all necessarily verbalized to us. It'll be things I know, especially for me. You know, I learned a lot better just by watching. Um, I know even growing up, I could always watch somebody do something and I could kind of mimic it. And then if I worked at it a little better, I can get pretty decent at it. Um, You know, one thing that kept me out of a lot of situations was um, learning from y'all, just kind of being aware of my surroundings, Mm -hmm. like what's going on. Um, You were that way. And, you know, um, <laughs> dad was a different type of animal, but he was that way. Always. Um, and very detail-oriented. Um, I think that's a trait I picked up from him was, you know, you could walk into uh, my, you know, my office at work and look at my desk and walk in his office and look at his and stuff would be everywhere. But if you ask, you know, where's this, we could always find it and would almost get upset if someone moved it from that spot. Like, what's well, this a mess right and here? he still does. <laughs> it's still, still the same. And, and the reason, I, I think it's more so the way we remember things as we see it and we remember it being there. Um, but point being, what we learn from you all is pay attention, you know, to what's going on. 
Um, and that kept me, um, Quentin as well, out of a lot of situations because a lot of times we could see things. You know, we could be at a party. We see the fight about to happen. Yo, I'm about to go. You know, so we came with somebody. Hey, I'm about to go. You know, leaving now. Um, <clears throat> and even now it's the same way. And I think that helped us get out of a lot of situations. Um, but also, um, we made a point about um, driving and having your seatbelt on and using your signals. I know growing up, I used to just think that was just a typical mom thing. And, you know, she just nagging me to do this and be safe. And as I got older, I realized, you no, know, what she was actually doing was telling you, don't give them a reason. Right. You know, if they're going to pull you over. They need to have a reason to pull you over. And you exactly. make it real easy when you're making turns. You won't use a signal. Because they can pull you over for it. And once they pull you over, they got you. They got you. You know, so. Whatever they want. And you, then the horror stories could mm-hmm. begin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so those are the things that, that, you know what I mean, I picked up. I learned um, getting older. I mean, I know that one of the things that I realized as I got older was just coming home. You know, leaving your house in the morning and then walking back through that door at night was such an underrated blessing. And I didn't think about that at the time. I just took it for granted. I was like, well, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm going to come home. I'll be home in a minute. You know, um, but, you know, and that's why I kind of asked you about that, you know, here was I know me now and I'm, you know, I'm not older. I'm 32. You know what I mean? So you with the years you have, the wisdom you have, what you've seen, you've raised two grown you know, men, you know, you had the foresight to have that, you know, um, you know, even then. Uh, so I will ask, I saw it was a post on social media and it basically said, um, it's crazy that we're the grownups now. Basically talking about my generation. And it's like, yo, it's crazy that, yo, we're the grownups now. We have like no idea. You know, I mean, we have some, you know, direction, but for the most part, you know, we just putting it together. Um, I don't know what age you get to that point to where you know exactly what um, what's going on. I don't know if you ever get to that point where you know exactly what's going on. Um, but you at 32, um, where I believe you were probably, was I, I was around by then. Yes, you were around yeah, by I then. I was around by then. I was, what, three? Probably about three. Yeah, three years old. So what was that? Because I know by 32, you had a three-year-old and a five-year-old about to be six. Mm -hmm. Um, So how was that? Quite interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I was probably feeling the same way you are uh, at that point. There there are no guidebooks. There's not a book you can read to tell you what you should be doing at any age, Mm -hmm. in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You know, so on and so forth. There's there's no guidebook. Um, your guidebook is basically your parents. And mm-hmm. like you say, you mimic your parents. And, you know, I want to say that this is a Mother's Day episode. But for me, in my situation, without your dad, a lot of things would be certainly a lot different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he is a big part of who you guys are as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of things that, you know, as you said, you've picked up from him as well. But being back at that time, um, you know, you're trying to raise your family and trying to do all the right things for your kids. 
you don't know if you are or not, you're figuring them out. At this point, you know that this child is this way, this child is that way. And I had two that were total opposites, <laughs> um, total opposites. Um, one had the patience of a snap. The other one could kind of go along with the program. So the one that you really had to watch that had, <laughs> you know, short-tempered. And um, as a matter of fact, I remember that um, your our neighbors across the street would come <laughs> over every day after school to play. And I'm trying to prepare dinner, and I could see you in the backyard. And one day I looked away for a short moment, and I looked back again, and you had gone into the shed out back and got the pitchfork <laughs> and was going around the house and just huffing and puffing. I'm like, what the devil? I'm yelling, mouse, mouse. And you were just breathing hard and got this pitchfork. <laughs> you were running after Showtime. Me. And I was like, boy, if you don't get back and put that pitchfork up. <gasps> and um, then you've got the other kid who's just like, no, bruh. I mean, come on, um, trying to reason and trying to um, get you to do, to do the right thing as well. So, you know, at that age, bringing up kids is you're, you know, trying to learn your kids and, um, again, be that protector, be there for them, um, trying to make sure they have some fun because uh -huh. um, life is not all... Um, Tyrant, go to work, go to school, come home, do your homework, you know, get ready for the next day. You got to have some fun in your life. Mm -hmm. So we try to provide that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think y'all, y'all definitely did. Um, you know, it's funny. A lot of the similarities when people ask me, and Quentin says, says the same thing, people ask us about, you know, just each other and, because we were fairly close in age, um, you know, about two and a half years apart, but we were only two grades apart. Um, so a lot of the things we did, we did at the same time. You know, we played sports, you know, playing the same sport, playing at the same time. Um, eventually, we took a shift, and you know, he went to one sport, I went to another, which I know made it easier for y'all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, made those falls and winters busy, but at least, you know, it made it a little bit easier for y'all. Um, but I know that a lot of the traits and a lot of the things and a lot of the ways I, I a lot of things I did um, kind of mirrored um, my dad, you know, the staying up late, the, you know, not wanting to get up in the morning, you know, those things, whereas you and Quentin, you know, 10 o'clock, didn't matter when it was, <laughs> y'all was in the bed. And I can remember plenty of times that I woke up on a Saturday morning, y'all gone, y'all up and out the door and then me and, you know, pops make some you know, raggedy breakfast, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, and going to do whatever we do. I mean, yeah, y'all were out, you know, doing whatever. And we walked through Home Depot, <laughs> you know, that was our day. Yeah. We was in Home Depot looking at fence panels or something crazy. But, um, but picking those things up, um, realizing those. And, and again, as I got older, you know, as those discussions were had, you know, a lot of things that, you know, you said, you know, came into fruition like we picked up and like yo that's what you know that's what mom was talking about you know that's what she meant she said that oh all right cool no this is Zach and it helped because um you know we I felt like we were prepared for a lot of stuff you know a lot of people I I grew up with 
grew up around and still know to this day. Um, when they deal with certain issues, you know, it's real hard for them to just deal with something. You know, they can't handle something. Whereas, you know, I feel like um, for y'all, you know, y'all, I, people, I tell people all the time, you know, y'all let us make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all weren't the helicopter parents. Y'all weren't constantly looking over, you know, I know you weren't constantly looking over my shoulder. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? You know, y'all kind of let us be kids. Let us grow up. Let us make mistakes. Let us figure it out. Um, and then if we needed something, you know, we knew we could come to y'all. Um, but eventually it got to the point to where we made a mistake and we'll try to fix it, you know, on our own. And, you know, a lot of times in my situation, I dig a deeper hole trying to fix it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, I actually had Quentin on the episode and he said the same thing. He said, no, you love the hard way. You know, yes. he said, you love the hard way. He said, that was your thing. He said, you, Did you, you not know. hear I had two <laughs> children who were total opposites? Yeah, completely opposite, man. Quentin, you know, you know, he, you know. Think about it a little bit. If you couldn't figure out, he come ask. You know me. I'm think about it. I'm go do it and try to fix it. You know, one thing I tell people when I was a kid growing up was I got in trouble a lot. But I was. Um, I remember um, Dad always tell me this. He was like, "You know your issue." I like, "What's that?" He said, "You think you're smarter than the average bear?" Yep. And I'm the average bear. Like he would always say, he's the average bear. And I think I'm smarter than the average bear. He's always tell me that. And I, and I was like, well, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, what is he like? I never, it never clicked until I thought about it. I said, well, what he's telling me is that you think you're smarter than everybody. You think you got all the sense, you know, and, and you're eight. <laughs> like, you don't know well, nothing. He was the average bear. So yeah. you thought you were smarter than him. Yeah, thought I could mm-hmm. all, and it helped. You know, I mean, those, those negative things, you know, even when I got in trouble for certain things, the way I would get caught would always be like he just he knew something mm-hmm. and I get caught. You were the same way. Like, I know you did it. And this is how I know you did it. And you'll point out something. Now, look. So as I got older, it helped because, you know, for me, I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. Choose a different way exactly. So you exactly. Mm-hmm. And I just always say I'd get in trouble for the same thing five different times. The difference would be I did that same thing five different ways, just trying to figure out a way to get it done. It's like you do you didn't I just tell you? Well, no, you said <laughs> I couldn't do this, but this time I did that. <laughs> yeah, all right. And then, <laughs> then you hear the belt come jingling and you and it's time. Um, you know, it's time to get some straightening. So so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that led to my next question, you know, as far as parents and styles, right? Because I know people talk about and raising kids, and you got kids with different personalities, um, you got to kind of parent them different ways. You know, you can't, there's no cookie cutter way to deal with kids or anybody. You know, if you're at a job, there's different ways you deal with different people, you know, and, you know, with friends, you know, you deal with different people, different ways. You know, I know for us, um, you know, we were two completely different, you know, kids. Um, had a lot of the same interests, but two different kids. Um, so does that change like, in the way you married? What way do you parent us? The way you deal with us? Was that a, did you notice? Oh yeah, definitely noticed. Um, you know, you 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 have similarities, but you have two different personalities. Mm-hmm. I think your similarities are that you are both very compassionate young men. Mm-hmm. You are very um, you're loving. You're giving. Um, and both of you are that way. Um, 
you just you know you might growl but that's it uh-huh. you're you're gonna always always try to do the right thing uh-huh. help people you're always there to help people both of you are like that um, and both of you um, are partial to kids uh-huh. and um, you know Quentin has his kids and I see the way he treats them and the way he um, interacts with them and you know you can just sit there and smile and then for you uh, you're always working with kids you're always trying to do something with kids sports related you're always uh-huh. in the sports thing always uh-huh. in the sports thing yeah. um, from a little kid um, and so you have those similarities but you also have your differences your two different kids Quentin for the most part kind of went along with the plan with the ball game you, on the other hand, <laughs> wanted to see how far you could push it in the other direction. So you did it the way you wanted to do it mm-hmm. and not the way you were asked to do it. Um, Quentin, I could see um, leadership skills mm-hmm. and the person who would take, um, who was able to take control and, you know, keep things in line. Um, a lot of times when I left the two of you alone, I knew that Quentin would be the one that I could depend on to keep uh-huh. you to where you needed to be. Uh-huh. Um, and there were times when I had to leave you alone, when I wasn't comfortable doing so, but I had no other choice uh-huh. at that particular moment. And I could depend on Quentin for, you know, all right, Quentin, you know, this is what y'all need to do. Mm-hmm. And he would do it. You, on the other hand, <laughs> would probably try and push Quentin to do something differently. Um, and that all kind of went up in smoke when I came home one day from work early. And I saw Quentin driving out of the subdivision <laughs> in the car without a driver's license. And he was supposed to be at home. Mm-hmm. And I later learned that that was something he did on a regular. Yep. And little, so brother, wasn't no, and little brother wasn't no snitch. Little brother wasn't a snitch because the little brother didn't want big brother to snitch on him when he did something like that. So yeah. even Swaff ain't no swindle. But yes, you learn your kids. You learn um, which ones, what their traits are, what their personality is, what you can foster in one, and what you foster in the other. And I think for every parent, they know that they know their children. Um, and so that really helps when they're in school, when they're younger in the school, and you have a teacher calling and say, oh, you know, my child or your child did this or your child did that. It's like, mm, I don't think so. Or you say, yep, that's my child. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they did that. So there are instances um, when that truly happened And just briefly, one instance I can remember with Quentin when he was in fifth grade, his teacher was always calling me and telling me Quentin didn't have his homework. Mm -hmm. He didn't do his homework. And I know that is not my child. Whatever Quentin has to do, he's going to do it, get it done, and, you know, move on. Mm -hmm. Um, So it got to a point that I would, Quentin would come home. All right, Quentin, do your homework. Quentin did his homework. Put it in your backpack. He put it in his, his backpack. I watched him. I knew it was there. Get to school. Quentin doesn't have his homework. I'm like, I don't understand. 
Mm-hmm. I helped Quentin with his homework. I saw him do it. I saw him put it in his backpack. Why doesn't he have it? So I, it ended up, of course, with me going to school, talking to his fifth grade teacher, and finding out that he, she had a student that was a troublemaker sitting right by her desk uh-huh. who was repeating the fifth grade. Uh-huh. And Quentin would put his name on his paper, and that little guy would take Quentin's paper out of her box, erase Quentin's name, and put his name on there. Uh-huh. So, yes, it showed that Quentin had done his work. So, you know, my thing was, I don't know what's happening in your classroom, but I know that Quentin's doing his work, so maybe you need to, you know, kind of see what's going on there. Um, and she did, and eventually she came back. Well, I apologize. You know, well, I know my child. Mm-hmm. Um, however, on the flip side, <laughs> when you were in fifth grade, from kindergarten, you were in a gifted program. Mm-hmm. You kicked yourself out of that gifted program. That's a whole other story. Seventh grade. Mm-hmm. In middle school. Yep. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be with these kids. Well, you could have had, my thing was, you know, you could have had scholarships to go to school. You could have, you know, lived the life. You didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, you don't want to do that. Again, learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth grade, you had, I don't know if this teacher was difficult or she just pushed you or what, but. She was wonderful, I thought. It's Hardwick. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I like Miss too. Yeah. Go to school, whatever you had to do. I mean, you did it in class. It was easy for you. You didn't, come, you didn't even have to study to get an A. Mm-hmm. Um, you just sat in class, didn't really know if you were paying attention or not, but test time came, here was the A. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't do your work, wouldn't do your work till midterm came. Those midterm grades came home, and it was, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be in trouble. Yes, you are. <laughs> so then you go back to Ms. Harward. What can I do for extra credit? <laughs> what can I Then you started doing your work mm-hmm. so that by the end of the, that term, um, you got all good grades. Uh, whereas Quentin did his along the way, and I knew he would. And I knew for you, this is what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then again, come middle school, I don't want to be in the gifted program. <laughs> I want to be with the cool kids. <laughs> I was a cool kid. Yeah. In well, the gifted program. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to, you didn't. The, the, the reason behind it, even then, like even now looking back, it wasn't the best of reasons. Um, but it made sense to me at, at 13. But, you know, I was looking at like, man, because at that time I was still in band. And then I was in the gifted program. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man. So in that time, you had two what they called exploratories. So, and your exploratories would change. So, you know, you get, you know, art, you get uh, music, you get gym, you get all these different little classes they give you that are outside of your regular math, English, science, social studies, whatever. Well, because I was in the band and because I was in search, those are my exploratories. Like, those are my two extra classes. So, in sixth grade, my two, search and band. And they made us do work in search. They ain't had to do no work in art. <laughs> and in seventh grade. So, after a while, I'm like, man, like, this ain't even fun. Like, I'm just in here just doing, like, this ain't, you know, my friends going, they playing basketball. You know, I'm 
what you had to do? I had a science project. I got finishes at the house. You know, and it, so that was my reason. I said, man, nah, like, I, I want to go and out and enjoy uh, being an eighth grader <laughs> for whatever that was worth. But at the time, it made sense to me. Now, it's like you could just stay in, um, you know, the other thing I used to always say, and again, it came, it, it comes with getting older and immaturity. Um, but because you would tell me that, you would say, you know, leaving to get. I remember you told me that, that getting out of that program was one of the worst things you could do. And I, I still remember that conversation. I was on the way to. It was something I had to do early in the morning at school. I still remember the ride to school um, that you, you would take. You drop me off early. It was dark. I still remember that's the worst thing you could have did. And, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm like, mom, relax. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, mom's not even that deep. Like, this. And um, I remember years later, maybe right after high school, college, and you brought that up again. This is in a conversation. And I remember saying, well, all the kids that I knew that were in gifted and these programs, they ain't doing nothing anyway. And then as I've gotten older, what I realized was, from your point of view, they ain't had nothing to do with me. Absolutely. You know, those get they may not be doing nothing with it, but you could have. And it took me, you know, getting older and rid of, that's what, because in my mind it was like, well, they were in the gift, and I think in high school it was called IB. Like, they were in all these advanced classes and all that stuff, and they ain't doing nothing. And eventually I had to see, like, well, the difference was, as her son, she was seeing, no, this is what you could be, though. Like, I ain't, I, I ain't got nothing to do with what they doing. I right? didn't know those kids. Exactly. I knew you. Yeah, exactly. I knew what you were capable of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you could have took that and did X, Y, and Z with it. Um, so, again, just one of them things. Hindsight, you know, it was always twenty twenty. Um, for me, I don't look at any of that stuff, you know, regretfully, you know, I don't, you know, regret anything, you know, because I always felt like, um, whatever I did then just put me in a position to be where I am now. And this is exactly where I need to be. And that's kind of how I approach life is wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, decisions I made in the past were to put me here and I'm exactly where I need to be when I need to be there. And I've seen that. Like, I've seen certain um, certain situations. Um, you know, one that I'll touch on briefly that for me made a lot of sense to me after the fact um, was um, when, um, when I lost my job. And I looked for a job and I got all this free time. And, it's, and it was a time. It was a time for me. And right before I got... Another a new job um, in that time when I was unemployed, um, grandma passed. And I remember you called and asked if I could help. There had been a situation and we had to move, you know, some things around at grandma's house. Um, and because I wasn't working, I was free to do it. Um, so I went out there to do that. And then um, the next day she ended up passing. Um, but for me, I was grateful that I was at least able to see her, you know, before you know, beforehand, and the thought process was like, well, if I if this didn't happen, that wouldn't happen. And then through that whole process, you know, I was calling you five, six times a day. Well, aren't you good? You need anything? Like, yeah. and had I been in a job, you know, I may not have been able to do as much. Right. You know, what I mean, I could took days off, or whatever. But we have made that phone call, and I was grateful that I could have been there 
that could be there for you as much as possible. Like, yo, man, like whatever you need, let me know. You know, you know. A lot of times, I felt you like were. I was, you you were there absolutely. You know, and even then, I felt like I, a lot of times I felt like I was older. I was like, no, I'm gonna call. Like, yo, mom, what's going on? You okay? Like, where y'all at? Like, do you need anything? You can pick something up. Do I need to go do whatever, whatever. So, um, and all these bats, I felt like you get put in situations that may not be favorable, but in that moment, but you're there for a reason. Um, so, so that was uh, definitely for me a, a negative that was kind of turned into a positive. Um, I believe we all are in place, are where we are supposed to be. And, um, you know, when you guys were small, we took you to church all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, I believe we're in God. I believe, um, you know, as we used to say, uh, well, still say God died and rose again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Christian. Raised, you know, we raised our kids as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um and so everything for a reason. Uh-huh. And um, when you know, I look back on life and look back on things that took place, I can see, as you say, you know, we take the, this, this path and it has turns and curves and um, dead ends and that kind of thing. And we take that path and that path leads us to where we are, which is right where we're supposed to be, wherever we are. And many times we look at that and think, oh gosh, you know, what's going on now? Why am I here? What am I doing? Um, But, you know, all things for a reason. I was very grateful that um, you were there and um, available and checked on us and um, made sure that we had what we needed. So that was, you know, when I, I look back on a lot of that, and I think, and you guys never knew this, and this is the first time I'm saying this, is uh-huh. that when you were little and in the bunk bed days, <laughs> um, I would be up late at night or get up early in the morning, whatever it was, and you know, had my little anointing oils <laughs> and. I would go in and I was praying over both of you and I was, you know, touching you um, with uh, the anointing oils that I had. And I would get up early in the morning and I had a friend, she and I would pray in the morning. I would come downstairs and go in the bathroom, close the door, and we would call each other on the phone and we had our prayer time. We prayed for our families, specifically for our children. so for me to see where both of you are now is truly a blessing. Um, I am so happy that, and I still pray for you, um, but I'm so happy that I had that foundation and I feel like my prayer life and um, my belief that I have um, in my higher power then and now Help to shape you as well and help to lead me and your dad in the way that we should raise you mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the things that, that we should do um, as parents for mm-hmm. both of you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that definitely rubbed off, you know. Um, you know, as far as praying, you know, I know for me, um, you know, especially in recently, so recently being the last, I don't know, five, six years, um, I learned that from from you and that's something I do and something that, you know, anytime, 
you know, I get to that, you know, to a point you spoke, you know, about me being, you know, having this short temper and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, those are the things I go to now. Like, when I feel that, you know, coming up, like, I pray. You know, just because I realized eventually, it took a little longer for me to realize it, but I realized that I would get to these points. And when I got to those points, you told the story about the pitchfork and, Trust me, there's many other stories mm-hmm. with many other weapons, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I me mean, that came out. But um, it'd be a situation where I felt like I lost control. Like, you know, I, I'd get so mad that I lose control and I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. You know, and I don't care what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. And, and for me, um, I realized when I would pray, you know, in them situations, you know, kind of walk away from it and then pray on it. Um you know, I would get kind of that calming feeling. I'd take that deep breath and be able to walk away. So even in situations where, you know, there's something I'm looking for, whether it be a job or, or whatever, you know, I'm doing, I, you know, I've learned not to do anything, you know, and make any decision, you know, without praying about it first. Um, because I've never um, prayed about anything um, and not gotten some sort of clarity. You know, no matter what, I could have not liked it. You know, I could have liked it. You know, um, you know, it could be a person I'm dealing with, you know, and I'll pray. And I say, yo, like, show me if this is something I need to be doing. And I give it a couple weeks or give it a couple days sometimes. And there go your answer. Like, All right, bet. Mm-hmm. And then separate myself away from that. So, um, so you're absolutely praying, definitely. Um, definitely something I picked up from you. Um, and uh, carry on. Um, to this day uh, with myself um so last thing about raising kids um do you see a difference i know now you have grandkids right so you got kids now you got grandkids you spoke about you know how quentin is with his kids um you know do you see a difference i know when we were growing up you know especially me you know i was with my dad a lot so with him and you know with his friends and they telling me how the kids you know our generation man y'all soft man y'all soft you know we had to do x y and z and then, you know, I know now me, you know, we look at these kids like, man, y'all soft, man. Y'all, we, man, you know, we had to do X, Y, and Z. We'll be outside and do a, and y'all don't go outside. Y'all don't do nothing. Y'all just sit in front of, you know, and, and I know growing up, I played, you know, I sit up there and play video games, play Madden and all that stuff all day long. But I would be outside too. More so would be, I'd be outside so I couldn't no more than come in the house and I'm playing games all night. Before the lights came on. Oh, yeah. I always, <laughs> always home before the lights came on. This store, it's, it's a legend. It's a, it's a legend <laughs> in the neighborhood that if me and my brother was not home before the lights came on, we would literally be running through the neighborhood. And just kind of hiding because we knew that truck was going to be coming down that street trying to see what we had. So we hiding. And if we ever. Don't let me come looking for you. Uh-huh. Always. And then we, there's been times where, you know, we, we see the truck and we'd hide behind the tree. And you go by and we take off running the house. And then we'd be in the backyard. Like, Mom, no, I was in the backyard the whole time. You see me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but so do you see a difference in just the, the type of kids? Um that are around now compared to us, or is it kind of par for the course and, and everything's the same? Um, it's just with different characters playing it. I mean, do you see a difference in the type of kids that are around now? There is a difference in the type of kids because there's a difference in our society. There's a difference in things that we are involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, as far as computers and 
um, any type of electronic device. Um, you know, those things were just really beginning to get popular after, um, you know, you and Quentin began to get older. Um, and, you know, of course, by the time we got to college, you know, we had laptops and all of this. Um, but now, grandkids, you know, two years old, one year, a year, two years old, they've got some type of electronic device that you're giving them um, with uh, educational programs um, on them. And so they are being raised with these electronic devices. Mm -hmm. um, whereas you guys came, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe middle school, certainly getting into high school, you really started getting into um, um, all of that. But yes, I do see a difference. Um, I also see some of the same. I see, uh, you know, I can only go on um, uh, what I see with, with my grandkids, with Quentin and his kids. And yes, they give them those electronic devices because, you know, for all intentional purposes, they really need to know how to um, utilize those type devices because this is where we are in the world and they, they're going to need those things. But I also see that um, he and, and my beautiful daughter-in-law are raising these kids to be very mannerable, mm -hmm. um, raising them with um, the right morals, um, raising them to uh, really know how to treat other people. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, Zaya, my daughter-in-law, uh, won an award for being the volunteer of the year um, mm. in the military. And so instilling in them all of these type um, good things um, that we should be about and that came about, I'm sure, from, you know, the, the way they both were raised uh -huh. um, in making sure that, you know, I'm sure, I know that her parents made sure that, um, you know, they were very respectful um, to, you know, older adults, um, instilling in them the good morals, ethical things, um, along with the education from school. Mm -hmm. So I see that what they learned as children growing up, they're instilling in their children. And for every parent, we want our children to have it just a little bit better than what we did. Mm -hmm. um, we may go back and tell them these stories, oh, when I was your age, I had to do this, that, and the other thing, you know. I had to come home and do all my chores and do all my homework then cook the dinner and, you know, get up at the crack of dawn and go out and do all these other chores before I went to school, you know, all mm. that stuff that we may say to kind of exaggerate things. <laughs> um, but we all want our children to have it a little bit better than we did, to do a little bit better than what we did mm -hmm. um, when we were growing up. And, you know, to me that is... Um, I don't know that I see that as an accomplishment. I see that as yeah, you know, 
maybe we did do a little something right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, being a parent, being a grandparent, um, is different, and there are differences in children. And I think it's just the way of the world. It's the way they have to be. They have to grow up in an era of electronics and laptops and um, all the computer systems and you know cell phone devices, all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's just where we are now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, you work in healthcare. Yeah. Um, something that uh, you've done since I can remember. Um, you went to school with me. Yeah, went to school. That's actually I tell people a lot that um, one of the, one of the other reasons why um, I really wanted to go to Georgia Southern uh, was because of those days that we were up there in Statesboro with you. Um, you know, I remember going to a game and you had it sitting in the grass watching the game and that made me fall in love with football. And I remember, you know, being outside, you in class and me and my brother running around outside the building and, you know, you know, sometimes you taking us into class with you and we kind of sitting in there with you and, you know, don't say nothing. And we sit there and wouldn't say a word. <laughs> you know, it was actually just funny because talking about the last topic was about um, kids nowadays. I don't know if they could have did that. You know, because we had to sit there. We didn't have no phone to play on. We had no iPad to give or headphones. We just had to sit there, you know, and and, and just do, I mean, play tic-tac-toe or something. Better figure it out. But to the class over, y'all, you know, don't disrupt this class. So um, working in healthcare, first first and foremost, what led you to work in healthcare? You know, you could ask um, probably 9,900 other people why they're in healthcare, and they have this long explanation because mm-hmm. of a loved one. You know, I saw my mom pass away. I saw my dad have to have all this treatment, grandma, grandpa, or some loved one mm-hmm. that really impacted them during a time that was really difficult um, time for that loved one and with their health. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oh, I want to be a doctor because I want to take care of people. I don't have a story like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no story like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said earlier, I don't even know why I was at Georgia Southern. <laughs> um, okay, my counselor and teachers, you need to go to college. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so I feel like I stumbled into college. I feel like I stumbled into healthcare, into nursing because it was suggested to me, well, why don't you be a nurse? I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, and this is, again, is probably showing my age, but you know, whatever. When I got to Georgia Southern on that smaller campus, uh-huh. um, there was no nursing program. Uh-huh. So the nursing program started when I was probably about a sophomore, junior at that time. They got a nursing program. Um, the nursing program was actually housed in the basement of Hannah Field House. Uh. Um, <laughs> so that's where my nursing experience started. Uh-huh. Um, and after, I don't know, a couple of, we were on a quarter system at that time. Um, so after a couple of quarters, I was no longer um, in nursing. Um, and I actually left Georgia Southern at that time, did not finish, uh-huh. and um, I moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Atlanta for a while, came back. Um, you know, me and your dad were, I don't know, 
I guess you could call us high school sweethearts, but mm-hmm. in two different cities. <laughs> and because um, you were fourteen, we all met, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I came back. I had a job that I actually could transfer back here from Atlanta to Savannah. Um, I was working in that job, and he and I had this probably eight-year break in our relationship Mm -hmm. and spotted him again, and he spotted me. We started seeing each other again and Mm -hmm. got married, and he was actually, I I credit him for me really being a nurse. Um, Mm. He pushed me and said, well, if I had as much education as you did, I I think I'd go back and finish. Okay. So I went back to nursing school. I finished at Armstrong, had an associate's degree in nursing, and I was determined I was gonna get my nursing degree from Georgia Southern. So 10 years later, back at Georgia Southern, and I got my nursing degree. And it's really been the best thing that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret anything that I've done in my career as a nurse. Um, in healthcare, there are so, so many different avenues that you can take. Um, I, I remember um, when I worked at Memorial, one of the local hospitals here, I wasn't actually a bedside nurse at that time. I worked in in the quality department, which mm-hmm. was performance improvement. You're looking at the quality of the care that's being given in the hospital and all of that. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I remember coming home and you telling me, Mom, so my <laughs> friend said that you aren't a real nurse. What are you talking about? Well, you don't work with patients. You don't take care of them <laughs> like that. So they say you're not a real nurse. I was like, hmm. Well, <laughs> you need to tell your friends to, they need to get some, some business. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So with, with I nursing, said that? Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. So they say you're not a real nurse. You're not an RN. You're not a real nurse. <laughs> that's what you thought RN stood for at the time. Yes. <laughs> that's what you thought it stood for. But um, as a nurse and in healthcare, there are so many different avenues um, to take. And anybody who's interested in healthcare, I you know encourage them to to stay in healthcare because you know I tell people you can as a nurse you can go from the bedside to the boardroom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I've told you before amongst my friends who are nurses. They went to George Southern. You a legend, cause all of them always call me. You know your mama picture up in this building, and <laughs> I was like, huh? Like, yeah, that's your mama, right? Yeah, yeah, that's her. But yeah, see, so I got you right up in the nursing building. Yes. I said, okay. Yes, there is a photo. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, right there at Southern. So, um, so we spoke about um, kind of the rate race, um, race being involved in a lot of different situations. Um, so the medical field as a whole is a uh, a male-dominated industry um, as far as doctors go for the most part. Um, and it's, at least on the outside looking in, it seems to be kind of a white-dominated industry as well. But I think most industries are at this point just with us being minorities. Um, do you feel like that's the case? And if so, like what was that maneuvering in those situations? I think that um, what you're saying has been true. I think that the tides are turning. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more females now in um, as physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more 
African Americans in healthcare, I think that uh, most of them are not highlighted, so you don't know about them. If you go back and look at the um, person that um, came up or you know started researching and came up with um, one of the vaccines mm -hmm. that we now use was a black female physician. Mm -hmm. um, when you go back and really look at some of the foundational things that we have in healthcare, you'll find that there were black physicians who actually did that, discovered that. Um, and again, because they're not highlighted, mm -hmm. we don't know that. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are more African Americans in healthcare than we realize. Um, certainly, there are more females going into healthcare. Um, at this time, uh, healthcare is a shortage on all disciplines, on every healthcare worker, from physicians to um, certified nursing assistants and nurse aides. There is a shortage um, due to the pandemic, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that. Um, we are making an impact on the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are, are still some of the, um, some of those good old boys mm -hmm. that are still there. Um, some of the good old boys that have instilled in their um, young um, sons, um, their upbringing, and so some of that still exist in healthcare. Um, but I think healthcare is um, a wonderful, wonderful industry um, to get involved with. It has its issues like any other industry. Mm -hmm. um, but um, as I've learned that you've got to pick your battles, you've got to pick the hill that you want to die on. Mm -hmm. um, so once you choose the hill you want to die on, just be prepared okay, this is it, this is my battle, and I'm going for it. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I want to succeed, but if I don't, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing real quick, um, last thing with healthcare, um, there was a documentary, um, I guess it was a documentary, um, that you wanted me to watch, and I sat and watched with you, um, done by Oprah. Um, and it was called the uh, the color of care, mm -hmm. um, and basically, what it did was highlight um, the disparities in healthcare amongst uh, amongst uh, black people, brown people, um, you know, minorities, you know, period. And and it had a lot of stories. Um, it was really interesting to me just seeing people talking about, um, especially in the COVID um, pandemic, you know, kind of how everything, you know we heard and everything was geared in and actually I spoke about last episode how when people talk about a system and they say you know the system is broken the system is broken and, and I've always said well it actually is not it's actually working perfectly because if you look at what's going on these systems that were put in place hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. are still working and still are effective in you know the type of health care certain people get um, you know people being turned away at hospitals which I remember watching with you and a guy spoke about being turned away and you said that's illegal mm -hmm. and they still got you know they still did it you know it still it still happened um 
So is that something that, and I mean, you worked as a healthcare worker mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, you know, so those disparities, is that something that you see um, that, and that you've seen um, in your career? So the disparities that were talked about on the color of care is your zip code determines if you live or die. Mm-hmm. Where you live determines life or death. And when I watched that um, documentary initially, and I was telling, saying this to a colleague, that initially I felt almost um, ashamed of being a healthcare uh-huh. provider. And then almost as, as quickly as I've, I had that thought, my next thought was, no, I'm not ashamed. Mm-hmm. I'm in a position where I can help my people. Mm-hmm. I can give them um, direction and guidance when you go to your physician. This is what you need to ask. This is what you need to say. This is what you need to do. This is how you advocate for your, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your auntie, your uncle, whoever that person is, your friend. These are the things that you need to go in. These are the questions that you need to have for that physician. Um, Or now most people are seeing a nurse practitioner or a um, physician assistant and not so much the physician, which again goes to show our shortage in um, physicians who are in primary care. That's another episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I'm in a position where I can help my people Mm -hmm. and that's what I want to do. But I was so saddened to see that this was going on, that you have people in specific zip codes that are not getting proper care Mm -hmm. because as it was brought out in the documentary that, oh, well, because you live here and because you are black or brown, um, you don't look like me, then I know that you're not going to understand what I'm telling you. You're not going to do what I ask you to do. And you're not going to have the money to get the medications. Well, I'm not going to tell you about that. Mm. Uh, We're just going to do this, um, the bare minimum for you and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, from personal experience, um, had someone very close to me and I'm not going to divulge who that is, but someone Mm -hmm. very close to me who had diabetes Mm -hmm. and um, was having issues with their, um, began to have some kidney issues. And I was like, okay, you went to your primary care doctor, they discovered this, so what are they going to do about it? Oh, well, he said he's just going to watch it. And I'm like, watch it do what? Mm. Get worse? Did they not refer you to a kidney specialist or um, an endocrinologist who could help take care of your um, diabetes? No, they just said they're going to watch it. (laughs) My mouth dropped. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if they're going to watch it, here's a name of a physician that you need to go see Mm -hmm. and to help you take care of this so that you don't watch it get to a point where, okay, now you're on dialysis and oops, I'm so sorry, there's nothing else we could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the blessing. And, you know, number one, I know for me, um, you know, when I walk into a doctor's office, you know, 
seeing someone who looks like me is almost kind of like disarming, right? Like I see someone who looks like me and immediately I'm just a little more comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, in talking to this person and, and them because I know, you know, f I just feel like I could trust this person a little more. And I think that's with anything. I mean, if you, you know, you walk into a bank and you got a, a bank teller that looks like you, you're a little more, you know, the conversation's a little different. If you, you know, any place you go, when you see someone who looks like you, so it just helps because we don't see it a lot. Um, then also, just when you told, you know, that specific um, scenario, in that situation, you know, you working in healthcare, you were able to refer them to a physician that could actually help them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you weren't working in healthcare, you know, that, you know, that close friend that you had, you know, they would still be, you know, getting watched. Exactly. You know, they, they wouldn't have gotten any help. I mean, I know I've seen just growing up with you being in healthcare, you get all the phone calls. Anything going on, you get a phone call. You know, hey, I got this rash. And I don't know where this rash came from, but this rash has been here for, well, how long have you had it? Well, it's been there about a month. <laughs> about a month. And have you gone to the doctor? No, no, I put a little cream on it, but. So, so I but so I would see it. I know I've done it to you, and I tell people all the time. You know, um, I, I remember I um, I cut myself at work. Uh, it was about a year ago, and um, I immediately I went into a little first aid kit and I got the peroxide. I put peroxide on it. And I got the the neosporin. I put some neosporin on. It. I took the van. Said you, you a doctor? <laughs> so I'm a nurse's kid, man. Like. <laughs> I, I, I just you know it's more than just putting a band-aid on it. I don't need to do this this and this you know so so those things so that definitely helps as well but you know it kind of goes back to the whole point of just kind of always being in the position that you're supposed to be in at that certain time um so um so wrapping uh wrapping up the episode um what what would you say as a parent as a mother um would you say that you're most proud of as a mother, I am most proud that both of my children are still here. <laughs> um, and that may sound a little crazy or whatever, but you must understand that raising two black boys, particularly in Savannah, Georgia, um, in the South, mm -hmm where um, you hear and see um, black boys being taken off to jail, being um, shot at, being um, shooters, um, all of the bad things that could happen in Southeast wow. Georgia. Hearing about all of that and knowing that your black boys are safe, they're at home. Um, that's, I think, the first thing that I'm proud of. The other thing that I'm proud of is both of my little black boys are now um, very, very um, productive in mm -hmm. society. They're young men who are productive in their community, one who is serving his country, who is continues to move higher and higher and um, get great accolades from those um, in authority over him, mm -hmm. um, has a beautiful family. 
the other is doing the same. He continues to move higher and higher. He continues to seek more and more. He doesn't stop growing. He doesn't stop seeking the very best for himself. Mm -hmm. um, to me, I am proud of that. I am proud of the fact that um, we have raised um, productive young men. Mm -hmm. young men who are now able to teach other young men um, of color what they should be doing, what they should be looking for, and teaching them right from wrong and being there for them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud to be called mom <laughs> by both of these young men. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm proud. I'm happy to hear their voices every time they call. Um, I'm just... I talk about my young men um, to my friends to let them know, oh, my son has a podcast. He has a podcast. <laughs> and he does this and he does that. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, my other son, guess what? He's out in Hawaii right now. And mm -hmm. he and his family, they're having a great time. He's doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he's a captain in the Army and blah, blah, blah. And, so yeah, I dote on my young men, and I'm happy that I can do that. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that um, I am not going to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that I'm not going to jail um, to visit them. And by that same token, I have, I'm deeply touched um, and very sympathetic for those mothers who go to visit their sons in the cemetery mm -hmm. and go visit their sons in jail, um, that touches me as well. Mm -hmm. As a mother, I, I can't even imagine um, that feeling. But I'm very proud of, of what of the accomplishments that my sons have done. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I can speak for Quentin, man, and I say we're proud of you too. <laughs> we really are. Uh, we've seen a lot. I remember going to your graduation in Georgia Southern. Um, that's when Dad shaved my head. <laughs> so in every pitch, you got a big ball head. Um, but no, nah, honestly, just seeing you, um, you know, working your way through your field, you know, provide for us. Um, you know, you not settling um, for anything, not settling for a job just because it's a job. You know, going somewhere where you feel appreciated, um, where you enjoy what you're doing. That's something you always taught us. Was you know enjoy what you do. I mean, life is short, um, and it's way too short to be doing anything that you don't absolutely you know enjoy doing. Um, so for us, um, we're definitely appreciative. Um, it took me to get older to understand why you get mad when you told me to take the uh, the chicken out of the freezer, and you came home and it wasn't done. <laughs> like I, it's a different type of pain when you come home and that chicken not thawed out yet. Now you got to figure this out. Um, so I so so it's always you know taking me a little minute. Like I said, the hard way for me. Um, but you know through all that, um, definitely appreciative um, of you. Um, you know the things that you've taught us, told us. Um, you know we've definitely taught taking a heart. You know I you know repeat things that I've heard you telling me for years to my friends, to people around me all the time. Um, just, um, you know, and, and I'll say it out loud. And I'll sound just like my mama. <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing. Um, but, 
you know, and even that compassion that you spoke to that, that me and my brother had both have that giving nature. Um, we got that from you. You know what I mean? You and dad, but but more specifically um, from you, you know, just caring about people, you know, wanting to make sure people are okay, taking care of folks, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of being that person that people look to, 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 you know, for guidance, to lean on when they got questions, when they need something. Um, just that person they go to just for anything other than kind words. Um, you know, uh, um, I, I, I don't know if I told you, Carlton um, called me last weekend. Um, and told me his best friend had passed And he called me, man, I messed up And, you know, I kind of talked to him for a little bit But being that person that he called And I knew immediately when he told me I said, okay, this is what I need to do You know, I need to hear him out I need to check on him, make sure he's okay Because I'm realizing, like, he called me for a reason Something led him to call me And that trait I know, you know, comes from you um, You know, uh, so, um, again, on, on this Mother's Day uh, this Mother's Day weekend, I want you to know we appreciate you. We love you. Um, you know, thank you for everything. Um, like I said, a lot of the lessons you taught us, uh, we still carry. Um, and we're trying to spread spread the gospel of mom uh, <laughs> amongst the world. <laughs> you know, so um, so that I want you to know we appreciate you as well. So, uh, with that, so anything uh, that you want to leave the people with before we close this thing out? Only thing I want to leave the people with is just uh, for younger women who may be listening, uh, make sure that you teach your boys, if you have boys, um, the right way to go. Uh, give them love. I think that's the most important thing, mm-hmm. um, is loving them wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, us older moms who are out there who have adult sons who you're proud of um, I think for us just continuing to love them let them know that we love them and we're proud of them um, is probably the most important thing we can do at this point so um, to both of my sons Quentin and Miles I love you more than you ever ever, ever know. Um, you are just in my heartbeat. We all we hear mothers say, this is one of my heartbeats, this is the other. Literally, you are my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And um, being in your lives and um, being active in your life mm-hmm. and part of your lives for the rest of my life is my goal mm-hmm. from this point on. And um, it is it's wonderful to have adult children that you can laugh with now, <laughs> yeah. that um, you can laugh at things that you've done in the past um, and just see how you parented them and um, sit and smile from ear to ear when you mm-hmm. see and hear all the wonderful things that they have, they're, they're doing. So mm-hmm. that, um, that makes my mother's day. Absolutely. So. All right, well, there y'all have it, man. So the ones that have asked, you know, because I don't, I don't bring a lot of folks home. Um, I'm, real protect, I'm real protective for my family, man. I don't, I don't bring people to, to the house. I bring somebody in this house, you know, you can trust it as, as somebody that I really, really deal with, really like, um, and rock with. So that being said, that was episode 61 or two <laughs> of the Untitled Podcast, man. Um, I appreciate everybody for listening. It's the first time, last time, many times, all up on this side, either way. 
um, those who've been with us from day one, um, appreciate y'all. We just recently um, went up over uh, 16,000 um, plays, which is amazing um, and wonderful. Uh, so I appreciate y'all for that. Um, other than that, um, enjoy your Mother's Day, enjoy your holiday, enjoy your mom, um, hug your mom, let her know you love her, um, let, you know, uh, let her know you appreciate her, man, because we only get one. You know, so appreciate that, love that, and uh, and all that good stuff. So, that being said, until then, we'll see y'all next time. It's the Untitled Podcast.